Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Church, if you're in the country, I'm jealous. Can one of you get in a car and run in here and preach, and I'll go and lie in the paddock in your hay paddock and look up at the sky and say, Jesus, you're brilliant, all right? Okay. Mike has given us the subject, me the subject this afternoon of of, uh, children and parents, or parents and children, and Adelaide's read out that passage which Michael gave us, or gave me, from Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4. And it is love ember, all right? So love ember, uh, love is in the air. Uh, you guys, there's always hope for some of you yet. <laughs> if you freshen yourself up a bit more. <laughs> um, so that's what I want to talk about, parents and children this afternoon. Uh, at the end of the sermon, at what I say, somewhere through there, I'll be asking whether people want to be actually touched by the Spirit of God on the grounds that it's the Spirit of God that allows us in our hearts to actually cry out, Father, my Father. That's what Paul says in the Romans chapter 8. And for some of us, uh, our relationships are so damaged that unless someone comes from the headquarters outside the universe and empowers us on the inside, telling, them, telling us that they love us, uh, life can be quite difficult because of the way in which we have been brought up. So there's an opportunity to come forward and I'll just say, Holy Spirit, come. That's all I'll say. All right, Holy Spirit, come. And if there are other people at the front praying for you, they may say other things as well. Right. There's always a, a need to understand parents and to understand ourselves. And at times, societies will overemphasize and underemphasize a whole lot of stuff, and we all know that. And sometimes we get embarrassed about what we overemphasized or underemphasized even five years ago. Martin Luther, some of you are good Lutherans in this congregation here, he's a good guy, he's a very funny fellow. Well, actually, he's a bit of a depressant, but we won't go into that. Uh, he, could, he could make very, very funny statements, or very clear statements, all right? Uh, and he said the, the, the way society is over and under uh, emphasise things is like a drunk man that falls off a horse one side and he gets up drunkenly, gets back on the horse and falls off the other side. So societies are always sort of going from one side to the other on a whole lot of issues. Now, sometimes we say, I have to understand my relationships with my mother and father uh, or I'm like, I, I'm like I am because I have this awful relationship with my parents. Now, those sorts of things are to be emphasised, but they're not the be-all and end-all of our relationships because honour your parents comes after sec- and is second to honouring God. And that's what I want to look at tonight, is honouring your parents and honouring God. Plato, who wasn't a Christian because he was a philosopher, Greek philosopher, said, in the scale of human decency, honour of parents is second only to the honour of God. And that makes sense in any society. So if we look firstly at the fourth commandment, which is basically children 
and their parents. In that, um, we see there that children are to honour their parents. If you look carefully at that, you'll see that there is no application. There is an application, and then there's a general principle underneath this application. Paul's talking to young youngsters here, and he says, "Obey your parents." This is back in Ephesians. The reason the commandment says, the Ten Commandments says, honour your father and mother comes first because uh, in some cases we can't actually obey our parents when they're actually not doing the right thing. So Paul is saying you can, children, obey your parents uh, uh, because you honour your parents because they're doing the right thing by you. And we have to understand this distinction very carefully here. It's a very good idea. And secondly here, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, he gives fathers and parents a a negative and a positive about their children. He says, don't provoke your children to anger. Instead, and here we have the negative and the positive, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up with two things, with training and instruction in the Lord. If we don't do those two things, we will exasperate our kids. So what are the parents to do to bring our kids up and what are the kids to do to honour the parents? That's what the Bible is and that's what I want to talk about this afternoon. We'll start with children, right, because not all of us have got kids yet. Most of you will have kids eventually. If you look at the law of averages, that's what's going to happen to you. So hold tight to that promise, all right, some of you. So all of us are kids here, so let's start with children because we are all children of parents. So we need to ask the question, what does this this command require? Why does it require it? And how do we actually live it? Okay, so there's what does the command require? Two, uh, what does it it require? And finally, how do we actually live it or obey it? So we'll start off with the fourth commandment, and that is the the what of, of this command. What does this command press in on us? Let me tell you the things that the fourth commandment doesn't say. It doesn't say, love your parents. Does that come of a shock to anybody? It doesn't say, trust your parents. It doesn't say, admire and enjoy your parents. It doesn't say, obey your parents. And why not? And it's because the Ten Commandments are ten principles that cover all of society and all of life for all time. So they have to be accurate and they have to be something that if you follow them, you can keep. So they have to be very broad in that sense as well. For every society, all people in every society. So to say we feel affection for our parents would be impossible in certain situations. Why? Because some parents are evil. So it's it's wrong to feel affection for evil. Therefore, sometimes we cannot feel affection for our parents. It doesn't say here, trust your parents. Why? Because in some cases our parents are unstable and untrustworthy. It doesn't say, admire your parents, because in some cases that would be impossible without denying the truth. It doesn't actually say, obey your parents, because a relationship with our parents uh, changes from time to time, from when you're a tot to when you're uh, 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years old. So parental relationships with their kids is a very complex thing. Firstly, uh, it goes through huge changes from one month to 50 years old. You cling to your parents when you're young, and that's the right thing to do. You leave and cleave to your spout when you're older, and your parents actually, you distance yourself, and you come out from under your parents. And so it's bad to say it's to stay under, and if you do, you will actually get the pathologies will come up. 
And so the Bible doesn't say obey because sometimes you obey and sometimes you don't obey. But no matter what your parents are or what they have done or what conditions you live under in relation to your parents, a child must always honour their parents. And it's really important to distinguish this. It really is. If you don't, your conscience will kill you. Conscience will kill you. Honour is a moral choice. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. As someone said, honour is the unsentimental moral nucleus for the relationship with your parents. Honour is the unsentimental moral nucleus for the relationship with your parents. So how can you... Honour is about unsentimentally treating our parents with dignity and courtesy. Adult children have trouble distinguishing these things quite often, and I did. I come through into adult life as well, and maybe some of you others have as well. Uh, People who have got manipulative and controlling parents and even abusive parents feel that honour means uh, being under them, and and that's just not true. We don't have to listen to them or confide in them, and you still can honour them, give them respect and dignity. So obedience actually flows out of honor, out of actually honour. We have to make this distinction, or our consciences really will give us a hard time. Yeah. So there's plenty of times when you're growing up that you actually can't listen to your parents. If you become, for instance, if you become a Christian and your parents think you've gone nuts, you know what I mean. And there's plenty of people around like that. Don't laugh at each other. I just look at a mother and a daughter and the mother's not too sure about her daughter in this church right now. Okay? Or you have disordered views on human relationships. If your parents have, what do you do? Often we'll do it unless we actually know how to honour unsentimentally. Often we'll do is get cold and cut them off or belittle them or debate with them. Uh, Or otherwise you'll sort of think, oh, as a a new Christian, I'll have to sort of completely come under my parental parents' control. And in actual facts, that's a and you get completely tied to them and under their thumb. But the Bible doesn't say we should do either of these things. So it's about honour of any children in any age and any society. That's how a society works. A guy called Smithy from God Squad said, Society stand or fall on the moral fibre of the individual. And I think that would be true for the United States at this very moment. If you look at Jesus, it works out quite practically in his life. When he was 12 years old, he goes to the temple and he stays on three days after his parents go home. They thought he was just playing with the other kids on the, on the bus going home. Camel bus, all right. And... Uh, and they get three days in and then they come back and say, well, what do you think you're doing? And why have you treated us like this is what they say. And he, what does he say? He says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? In other words, by the time he was 12, he was distinguishing quite clearly what it was to actually obey his parents or honour his parents and honour God and obey God. He'd already seen that as a 12-year-old lad. Uh, early on in his ministry, uh, in John's Gospel, I think it's John chapter 2, it talks about uh, Jesus going to a wedding and his mother's there. And it's in another a village, not far from the village where, the, where Jesus grew up. And it must have been quite a big wedding because, uh, well, it wasn't just their village, it was another village. And then Jesus turns up with 12 disciples and they didn't have enough wine, right? So they ran out of wine. 
And Jesus' mother, who could see what Jesus was like, she pondered things about him in her heart. She come and she says, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says to his mother, woman, what does, you, does, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? Woman? Now, some commentators want to sort of lighten that up and say, oh, he wasn't really. But it actually is quite a, a strong and deliberate and almost defiant word that he uses. He's saying, I have to differentiate myself from you, my mother, because otherwise I'll get taken in the wrong direction. And it's the same with all of us. Now, interestingly, in the end, he sort of comes around and turns the water into wine. It was a huge amount of wine. If you put it in 20 litres containers, it'd go from the front to the back of here. It was a lot, right? And interestingly enough, it was his first sign where people believed in him. So for you Lutherans who like a little stuff, you know, <laughs> it was the first time it was actually that situation where people come to believe in Jesus in that way through a sign. So we're not going all going to go out. No, we're not going there afterwards after we've finished here. All right. So the, the point there is, is that, that if you're going to follow Christ, you have to do what Jesus wants you to do, which at times will be to say, nah, that's not the kingdom of God, this is. Yeah. And the issue then is, is how do you honour your mother and father when that happens in your life? That's a, it's a huge issue for all of us. And you can still feel the same way when you get to 50 and 60 years old as well. Why would God command all children to honour their parents? Many cultures say that we are in awe of our families, our parents, because we are their flesh and blood. And a lot of these parents will use it on you. I don't know whether you've ever had that happen with you. Look, you know, we, we birthed you and we brought you up and look at you, you little... But this idea of being flesh and blood, being out of the same blood, is not a biblical sentiment. There's lots of other religions that do believe that. But in the Bible, and this is really important, adoption is central to relationships. Adoption is central to relationships. An adopted, biblically, a mum and dad, an adoptive mum and dad are as good as parents and as, as the natural ones. They're seen in that one. No other religion puts adoption at the centre of, of like Christianity does. The Bible again and again has God saying, I love you the way I love my real son. I love you the way I love my real son. You are a member of, of my family and I don't play favourites. Even as we stand here or as I talk to you this afternoon, God is saying that to us in this room through the Holy Spirit. All right? And we've got to get it, or otherwise we just don't have the confidence that we should have uh, to live the life that God wants us to live, coming out of the commandment to love our... To, uh, sorry, out of the, the, the statement to honour our parents. Back in the day, pre-Jesus time, basically most societies were very authoritarian. Like the father in Roman society, for instance, if he wanted to, could actually practice genocide on his kids, all right? They didn't do it very often because, after all, it would deplete society pretty quickly if they did do that. But it was there. It was a possibility. And that's utterly unbiblical. The thing that our Bible says quite clearly all the time is that life is very, very, very precious, but looking at our society today, there's two things that's happened after the, over the last few hundred years. One was the Industrial Revolution. Now, at that stage of the revolution, there was that sense to some extent that the father had authority. 
But what happened with the revolution was that the father left the, the farm or the uh, making boots or, or uh, doing other jobs like that, uh, being a blacksmith, uh, along with the wife. They shared money together, they shared jobs together, and so they taught together. And so the kid could see what the mum and dad were doing and give honour to them in what was happening in the family situation. Industrial Revolution, uh, um, most men w went away from the family. They often worked exorbitantly long hours and then they came back to the family and we began to say, well, well, the woman is the one who actually nurtures the children. It's not biblical. The biblical thing is the mum and the dad nurture the children. And coming out of the Industrial Revolution to, a, to some extent, in some cases a very large extent, is the fact that you get very frustrated and, and quite often angry wives and kids that were a bit loose in the hole, you know, and angry as well because there wasn't this balance of, of parents nurturing their children. And that continued until, uh, well, in America there was a, guy, a Carnegie Foundation in the 1970s did a massive study uh, and they said that the traditional ideas of parenting and teaching uh, we should reject now because society had become so complex that it wasn't the, the, the job of the parent anymore to actually teach the child. That was something that was left to the teacher, uh, to the specialist, to the psychologist. And the parent became more uh, a CEO of a company where they delegated authority for their children out to somebody else. Uh, and this really had a profound and still is having a fairly profound effect in our schools. I think it's probably why a lot of parents send their children to Christian schools. Now, the Bible rejects both the authoritarian method and also a model and also the support family model as well. Uh, and it tells you that we have the right to honour our parents and parents have the right to be honoured. Well, what's the job of a parent then, all right? In essence, marriage is a friendship, all right? And Paul talks about that just before he talks about parents or fathers and children, parents and children, all right? So friendship, marriage is a friendship, and in actual facts, uh, the thing for parents is to be a teacher. Now, The idea, therefore, is that parents should teach their children. Now, you're better off actually teaching children what is wrong than not teaching children at all. Because what you're doing as, as a parent is, and you can't always be right all the time, is giving children the tool to actually learn how to actually understand and make decisions for themselves. And the thing is, if you teach really well, the aim in a Christian family is to get your kids out from under your authority in the authority of Christ as quick as you can, all right? Now, they may still be living under your roof, but they need to be confident in what they're doing themselves. And that's what happens when a parent, a mum and a dad nurture their children and give them the, the tools to actually make decisions for themselves very quickly. And all of the teaching is done as the Bible recognises, all authority is actually servant authority. So a good parent, mum and dad, get their kids purposely out into the world to do the works of the kingdom of God. And even when parents go wrong, because the children 
are wired up by God in a certain way because they've got the right to actually be able to work through issues together being taught by their parents they will make up their minds about where parents are right and wrong and the worst situation actually is where parents abdicate their responsibility it's a guy called Durkheim um, he did a study on uh, teenage suicide in the 1950s and he used the word anomi, which actually means lawlessness, where parents completely abdicate all responsibility for the child. The child actually lives a life where there's just no laws for them. And that's really horrible. So parents actually raise up their kids. And Paul says here with training and instruction. Now, the word training there actually is a disciplinary word. Right? I can't get away from that. I'm sorry, I'd like to. But sorry, you, parent, you, you children old or young all right but the word for discipline there is 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 about it's actually i think it's about actually holding someone's feet to the fire in other words i think what they mean there or what the bible means there is it's you know, if you've got a, a kettle and it's boiling you know how you get that clear patch at the end of where it, it boils you can't you can't see it before it actually turns into water vapor and a little kid will put their finger in there i remember i did it actually and it hurt you know <laughs> What a, parent, what a parent does is actually get the child and take them there in terms of actually discipline and put in their hand close enough to that to feel how blooming hot it is, all right? And that's what it is. As a, in terms of training, that's what you're doing with your children. And that can be hard work. And you can actually find that you actually have to push points at times to get that training done. The other word is instruction, which is a really good word, which is to counsel your children as well and to counsel them well now counseling is uh, i guess i've probably talked enough about that so in terms of going on then i think i'll go on a bit further then how do you give your parents honor this is my final point right how do you give your parents honor now it's by finding culturally way appropriate ways of actually honoring them like phone calls if as you get older and as you go into your 30s, it's a really good idea to keep ringing your parents, even if you're interstate or overseas. At my age, my friends whose children don't ring them at all are really quite heartbroken, all right? And they're heartbroken because there's no honour coming from their, parents, from their children anymore. And it's, a, it's a really big thing, you know? Parents, parents need uh, that honour from their children. There are culturally appropriate ways to do it. Uh, remembering birthdays, making the phone call, tons of other ways as well. Uh, there are actually, uh, they, it does depend on customs as well. You know, there was a king, Jarius, who was a, one of the, the Persian kings, and he got the Greek people together and he said, well, how can we honour your, how do you honour your parents when they die? And they said, we actually cremate them. And uh, that's just what they did, all right? So he said, if I give you enough money, would you actually eat them instead of cremating them? And they said, that would be horrible. He got another part of his, ki of his kingdom, the people from, um, from the east in his kingdom, and he got them together and he said, how do you honour your parents when they die? And they said, we eat them. And, he's, and, and that's, that's the blood thing, you know. You take that into, into yourself what is in them and then you pass it on to the next generation. He said, uh, what if I actually gave you a lot of money to cremate your parents? He said, that would be horrible, horrible. And the point is just that simply one, uh, customs differ in different societies, all right? And that's supposed to be funny, but you're not going <laughs> to laugh, all right? 
pick on the customs that actually suit your parents, right? And do it well. Promise me, all right? Don't leave them on their own, your parents. Honour them. It's a really good thing to honour your parents. You don't have to even like them to honour them. But in honouring them, you might find that you do like them. And in honouring them, you might find that your parents start to like you again as well. Another way of honouring them is allowing them to see themselves in you. I remember one of our kids uh, got an award when they were very young. And, and you go to the school and, the, you know, maybe year one and you're the only parent there because somehow or other someone told you that one of your kids is smart enough to get an award eventually, all right? And you sit there and you watch a kid get an award and it has a profound effect on you. Now, to share that with your parents, the sort of things that uh, they are proud of is really important in terms of honouring your parents. And keep in mind, your parents have got feelings that can't, you can fulfil by honouring them in these sorts of ways. Paul talks about a mystery being a thing, the, in, uh, the marriage between a, a man and a woman. And here we've got this mystery as well in this picture between uh, parents and their children. And the picture here between our relationships with our parents is a picture of the relationship between God the Father and you. Every human being is built for love, unconditional love. And this comes no matter what situation is in the family, either from a parent's point of view or a child's point of view. We never really measure up to our parents, but at the same time, we can get something from God practically that allows us to measure up in his sight and then after we've experienced that then we can go back and we can honour our parents however they see us and that's why I'm saying this afternoon if you actually want to actually honour your parents and you think it would help you I'm going to say I'm saying now if you come down the front we'll just say come Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit and the hope is that what Paul says about the Spirit in us will come alive in your life and that is where Paul says the Spirit of God comes from beyond the universe and identifies with our spirits that we're the children of God and we cry out Father my Father when we know that Father's unconditional love is is the point where we can honour our parents and our relationships can then start to actually meld together in that way that God has created them to do. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.